Hello, welcome to Tales from the Albright, a podcast by the Scranton Public Library. Hello, everyone. Today we are here with a book discussion about Lucy Foley's The Guest List. Since I'm in this true crime era of the podcast, we decided to go with a mystery book today, and that is Lucy Foley's The Guest List. And we are here with Kate, who works with me in reference. Hello, I'm here for the first time ever. So what were your thoughts on the guest list? So I will start off by saying that I am not a mystery person in general. I lean more towards science fiction type stuff um, and more character driven type of things. But I've, you know, I'm familiar with, I've watched Glass Onion. I've watched Columbo. I kind of know, I know how it goes. So this was kind of, I, I branched out for this one. Not my usual forte. And with that being said, it wasn't quite my cup of tea, just because I'm not as familiar with mysteries. Um, I don't really read, you know, I like to read them whenever I do read them, but they're not my top genre. But that being said, this book did some very interesting things that were very refreshing. The very sort of unexpected five perspectives that it sort of switches between. Um, You have the bride, the plus one, the best man, the wedding planner, and the bridesmaid. And, spoiler, this takes place in a wedding. Yeah. (laughs) Off an island. It's a remote island off of the Irish coast. Um, I forget what it's called in Irish, but the translation is, what is it, Cormorant Island or something? There's Cormorants. Yeah. That's for sure, which are a very ominous bird. Um, And there's a storm approaching. So it's very ominous. The atmosphere was very tangible. You read it and you're like, oh, like it's dank, it's wet, it's like windy, it's isolated, it's cold, it's Irish summer, it's cool. It's, they're on this old 15th century house or some, it's really old, but it's the perfect destination wedding, very dramatic for this um, very dramatic public couple. Very much so. Yes. <laughs> And I will say, before we get any further, this episode will contain a ton of spoilers for the book, including everything that happens. So if you haven't read it and you want to read it, I suggest stopping this and then listening to it again at a later time after you've read it if you want to hear our thoughts on it. I forgot to do that at the very beginning of the episode, so I'm doing it now. Before we get any further and getting into things that are not on the cover of the book. Yes, yes. Now you (laughs) kind of know what it's about, so you can kind of decide, you know, if you want to go read it, now's the time. Um, Because we will be talking about every single thing. Yes. Um, I thought the book was interesting. Speaking of getting right into spoilers, I found it interesting that... They didn't reveal who was murdered until the very end of the book. Yes, because it does this time skip stuff. Yeah, it kind of makes it feel a bit long because you don't know what you're trying to figure out or work towards. Yeah. Because you don't know who got murdered, you don't know how they got murdered, or anything about the details of the actual crime until you get there. Yeah, it's literally like four pages from the end of the book. Um, it happens, it takes a while to get there, but then it happens and then the book is over. Yes. Basically. I don't know if I liked that or if I did it. Yeah. It's definitely not your typical murder mystery. No. There's no detective. There's no like, um, what's the Agatha Christie? The Perot. Perot. There's no Perot. There's no, um, Miss Marple. Holmes. There's no Sherlock. There's nothing like that. Like the, the mystery part is in figuring out who murdered the person and also who got murdered yes um the bulk of the book takes place in sort of these 
the previous day type of thing. So the murder itself happens on the wedding night, mm-hmm. uh, after the wedding, like during the reception and everything. It's it's night, it's dark, it's really stormy. And um, a decent while into the reception too. Yeah, like it takes a while for it to go on. but Like so, it feels like it was like a 10 p.m. murder. At least. Yeah. <laughs> at least. 10 p.m., 10.30. <laughs> it's dark. It's like everyone is so drunk by that point. But what's interesting is that you get the bits from everybody, the people that I mentioned, the bride, the plus one, the best man, the wedding planner, and the bridesmaid. It sort of goes in between all of their perspectives, while also there are little segments of sort of the night itself as people are trying to find the body, trying to find what happened. So you have those sort of opposing time frames, and as it goes along, you sort of get closer and closer to the actual night of the, the time of the murder. And so you really everybody kind of has a motive by the time you get there. It almost feels like too many people have a motive at points. Yes, there the connections between everybody are off the wall. Everybody's connected. It's really it's interesting to find out the connections and try to make the connections in your mind before it's all revealed. Yes. I know when I was reading, I would read a sentence that I'd go, wait a minute. I'd flip back and see if that was connected to something that had happened earlier. So this book definitely did make me wonder. And it made me sort of like put the pieces together. Um, and just like, what could it possibly, what could be going on here? Mm-hmm. So it, did, it does keep you engaged in that way. So we're going to go right into the reading group guide that's at the very back of the book. First question is, did you guess who the killer was? What, if any, clues did you pick up on throughout the book that helped contribute to your theory? Um, here's the thing. I didn't guess who the killer was just because by the time you get to when the murder happens, literally every single person that you get a perspective from has a motive to kill the person. I agree. So by that time, I was more not quite wondering... I wasn't like, who could it possibly be in the sense of, I don't know. It was more like, okay, who is it going to be? Yeah. Like, what's going to happen? I agree. It kind of felt like in Agatha Christie's Murder on the Orient Express, where I just kind of expected all of them to line up to stab him. That's also what I was expecting. That's what I was expecting. (laughs) Yeah. 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 That's where I was at by the end of the Uh book. Yeah. Because you get all these revelations, and everybody kind of comes to these conclusions at the same time, and everybody is basically out for blood Mm -hmm. for the one person that does end up getting killed yeah and so when the murderer was revealed i wasn't really surprised it was an interesting choice but it also made sense Mm -hmm. and yeah i would much rather have something make sense and be foreshadowed than to just have it dropped on the audience out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even though I could kind of see some things coming, I couldn't quite see who the murderer was, but when it happened, I was like, oh yeah, because things were mentioned before, it made sense, it all tied together, mm-hmm. and you understand why. I also kind of think it was just a matter of she got to him first. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes, she got to him first, and she was able to take the knife. It was the wedding planner, Aoife, who did the actual murder the groom well was murdered and she had access to the very sharp knife which the bride jewels had specifically super sharpened it's for cutting a cake i don't understand why that either i think that little detail was only in there to make you keep thinking it would be jewels yeah i don't know but she got the 
cake cutting knife. Yes. And then just stabbed Will with him and pushed him into a bog. Yep. Yeah. Which I mean, fair. Yeah. It, it's 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 pretty simple in the moment, but you kind of she's used the wedding planner. Um, what happened was so Jules, the bride, has this online blog that's very very popular. It's called the Download, I think, and she posted on Instagram, "Pitch me your wedding venue," mm-hmm. and Aoife knew that she was getting married to Will, and Will had done something horrible to Aoife's brother when he was a kid, basically murdered, murdered the brother, and so Aoife was really pushing the venue, pushing the isolated thing, pushing the island, and she gave it as a half-off, 50% discount. Um, so even though it looked really lavish, because mm-hmm. then it's also revealed that Jules is really not as rich as she looks. Yeah. Because her father cut, cut off her parents, which kind of gets revealed kind of late. I feel like Aoife's entire story gets revealed very late. And yes. I feel... I almost feel like it was like an afterthought to put in like the 50% discount to get them there type of a deal. Yeah. Well, it, it's... It uh, makes sense. The thing it, is, the, the very little is revealed for the first 200 pages, mm-hmm. and then all the reveals happen at once. This it's snowballs. True. It's snowballs. And you have... But it, there was a moment, I, I don't know if you remember, in, I forget what page it's on, but in the graveyard... Oh, they, yes. they specifically mention a graveyard with mm-hmm. um, Darcy Malone on it. And it turns out that was Aoife's brother, who Will killed as a prank in school. In school, when they were in like high school. The equi- British yeah. equivalent of high school. Because these people are all British. I mean, some are Irish. There's yeah. a very clear distinction <laughs> Most of them are British, not all of them are, generally. Mm-hmm. They went to a boarding school. A boarding school that was run by Will's father. Yes. And so Will could get away with a lot because he pulled the strings and he cheated on his exams and he did all this stuff. Yeah. He stole the... It's really... It was really giving me Glass Onion vibes with the whole stealing somebody else's idea thing to be mm-hmm. immensely successful because there's... Like, everybody has a motive here. Will, the groom, is the king of gaslighting. He has in the past, this doesn't get revealed to like the last 50 pages or so. Yeah. He has in the past sort of been with women and, you know, taken videos of them that they wouldn't want circulated. Let's put it like that. And then when they try to break up with him, he threatens to release the videos. And yes. that does happen to the plus one, her Anna. name is Hannah. Her sister Alice was dating him. And um, he did that. He pulled that whole thing. Yeah. Well, you look like you want to say something. No, I just, <laughs> like, hearing it explained out makes me realize how complicated yes. everything actually is. Yes. <laughs> yes. I will say, very skilled in the ability to sort of tie it all together in a way yes. that makes enough sense for this book. Like, in real life, it would be just absurdly coincidental. But, mm-hmm. I mean, people like this do exist where they, like, serial manipulate. Yes. So it makes sense. But Will had assumed a different name, and he manipulated Hannah's sister, Alice. Alice took her own life because she mm-hmm. was terrified of what would happen to her. Yes. Well, I think it did It did get released, didn't it? Yes. Yeah, her, her got released. Her life was totally ruined. Yeah. Yes. And then Jules has a sister, Olivia. Half-sister, Olivia. Yes, who's the bride? Olivia's the bridesmaid. He did the same thing to Olivia, only she broke it off. Yeah, she broke it off, but he was using the name Stephen at the time. Yes. And then... Will also got Olivia pregnant. Yep. So then Olivia had an abortion Mm -hmm. and then became increasingly depressed. Extremely depressed. Almost like a caricature of a depressed person. Yeah. It it was, it it felt a little out of place. Yes. Um, 
I will agree with that. So then Jules finds this out, and Jules kind of has anger issues. She likes to break stuff. She does. Because <laughs> she's very um, sort of like put together, and she knows exactly what she wants. She's very particular. She's like, everything's got to be perfect. But she also has, she needs that emotional release. Like, she breaks stuff. More towards the end of the book. Mm-hmm. That kind of also leads into question two, which is about the siblings in the book. And it was, how are these relationships different? And what do you think the author is saying about the strengths of biological family bonds versus the bonds of found families? Well, here's the thing. All of the parents, so Will's parents and Jules's parents, they're all terrible. Not yes. all of them. Okay, Will's mom, you don't really hear much about her. She yeah. seems like she's been kind of like broke, a little broken down by Will's dad. Because mm-hmm. Will's dad, the guy who runs the boarding school or the He's, high school, very intense. Yes. Very, very uh, severe. Yeah, everyone, yeah, no. Yeah. None of them are fantastic No, people. Jules's mother never liked having Jules. Mm-hmm. And Jules's mother, I think her name is Araminta. Something like Something like that, like that Araminta. And she always preferred Olivia. And Jules's father is has like he's on like bride number five. Jules's dad is on wife number five. She's like a French lady. She's I'm not really sure. You don't get too much about her. That she's just that she's wife number five, and that Jules's dad was never really there for her growing up. Mm-hmm. So her family situation is very dysfunctional. And in the meantime, you also have Hannah and her um, husband Charlie, mm-hmm. and she they kind of just like kind of just complain about their kids. <laughs> They kind of complain about yeah. their kids. So that's not really a glowing parental representation yeah. either. So the main found family thing is all the boys that went through to Trevelyan. Yes. Is how Tre- I was saying. Trevelyan. Yeah. They called it Trev's. They shortened mm-hmm. it. Which was the boarding school that Will's dad runs. So they are like tight. They're tight. They're the dudes. They're the boys. They're the squad. They're very much like the toxic boy squad. Yes. Though. Toxic boy squad. Their bonds are really tight. Um, but they're all terrible. They're all like... Yes, I will say every single person in this book, I do not like. Yes. These people are all miserable and terrible. Yes. Um, and not even in a way that makes you... Well, it depends on the reader. I yeah. mean, if you like reading about people who are miserable and terrible, then that's one thing. Um, but it's not quite in the realm of caricature. Mm-hmm. Of, they're just kind of all... None of them are really happy. No. So for me, to go back to the question... I just think that it's kind of a mess. And she says that everything is a mess. And I don't know if I can get past my dislike for pretty much all of the characters in this book to get to a message about the strength of family bonds or found families. Yes, I wasn't thinking about that whatsoever. No. This is a murder mystery, first and foremost. And it's a jumpy, time-jumpy murder mystery. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the main thing that's going on here. Yeah. I was not really thinking about found family versus biological family, but it's definitely in there. Now yeah. that I think about it. It's in there. I just... It's not really a main theme. No. So, question number three. How did the setting add to your experience of the story? In what ways does isolation affect each of the characters? Do you think things might have gone differently if they weren't brought together in such a remote location? I think the setting, for me at least, it did add a bit of an ominous tone to it because no one could get out except if you like fell into a bog and died then you can get out but (laughs) (laughs) But (laughs) getting out in one sense yeah Yeah. Uh uh-huh but 
other than that, like you're just on this island. I don't feel like I ever got a concrete scope about how big the island was. Yeah, no. Because it did seem like people would go off, find places to be alone. Characters often went to caves. They went to caves and drank a lot. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Or they go up the bog, they go up by the gravestones. Yeah, so I think the aspect of not being able to leave did affect a decent number of the characters because they couldn't get away when people were annoying them to like process it yes it was all very claustrophobic yes in the way yeah i don't know if things would have gone differently with this group of people if they weren't on a remote location yeah it feels like all of the relationships that they had with one another were in a pressure cooker Mm -hmm. and that this was just sort of like everybody was together everybody was sort of stuck tensions rose people found things out that they wouldn't have otherwise but at the same time i can't help but wonder if some things would have happened no matter where they were yeah pierce telling jano that actually there was a whole misunderstanding and will orchestrated jano not being on the show that i think could have happened anywhere Mm -hmm. but other things like olivia trying to drown herself that could only have happened there. Well, mm-hmm. anywhere with the ocean. Yeah, or a body of water. Yeah. I don't know. I still feel like things would have played out if this was set in, like, the English countryside. Yes. Or, like, a random castle yeah. in the middle of Ireland. Yeah. The main thing that I noticed was how there was this emphasis on... Not even an emphasis. It was mentioned a few times. But there was no cell service, and guests weren't really allowed to post pictures of the wedding as it was happening. Mm-hmm. But that didn't really feel like it came to anything like no because the murder happens at the very end and the police are called basically immediately so the main thing was just that hannah couldn't call her kids she called them once Mm -hmm. um but aside from that like it really didn't seem to affect no what was going on i feel like even if it was set somewhere that they had cell service like it wouldn't have affected anything except maybe like people on social media would see how much they drink. Yes. And they drink a they drank, lot. They drank a lot. They drank a lot. At one point in the wedding reception, it mentions that each of the guests had drunk a bottle and a half each of something. Whiskey, champagne, wine. We don't know. Uh, the characters drink in a cave. One character drinks like four shots in one gulp. And you're like, how are these people... I guess British and Irish drinking culture is extremely different more sort of more intense yeah i guess than that of american weddings but still i don't think it mentions it might mention one or two characters getting sick yeah that's about it and i'm like and the one character gets sick after she finds out something horrible yeah and i don't know i wouldn't have the stomach i know i know you don't get a lot of people acting drunk even though it says that they're drunk a lot Mm -hmm. Question number four. The guest list is a modern take on the murder mystery. In what ways does Foley modernize and update the classic murder mystery? Well, the main thing that I think of was, is Jules's blog. Mm-hmm. She's an online blog. It's literally called The Download. Um, and then you have Will, who has his TV show. Yeah, I feel like the Will TV show, it's a reality show where he has to escape the woods. Mm-hmm. I feel like that feels very modern. Yes, because he's uber successful. He's like perfect. The perfect guy. He looks mm-hmm. great. He's like... They, they mention a lot how he can be anybody that you want him to be. Which is actually like great foreshadowing. Mm-hmm. I'd rather have foreshadowing that beats you over the head. Than yeah. Not at all. 
the whole thing about I'm just going to call it revenge porn that happens that Will does multiple times. That's extremely modern mm -hmm. as well. Um, there's, so there's some stuff about like Instagram comments and texts and stuff, yeah. cell phones. So some things are definitely wouldn't have happened in like 1970. Yeah. Because it just wouldn't have happened. I feel like the general core of the story, though, I feel like could really take place at any time. Yes. The whole wedding where everybody's secrets get revealed, mm -hmm. that's pretty... Um, so I feel like it's just adding the few modern details that everyone's familiar with. Yeah. But right it, it works in the story. Mm -hmm. It's all kind of like tied up. It works. So question number five. Both Will's and Jules' best friends are friends from their youth. Why is this significant and how does it affect the atmosphere of the wedding? Who's Jules' best friend again? Charlie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> and then Will's best friend is Jono, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, well, I feel with... What's the question? How does it affect their relationships now? Why is this significant and how does it affect the atmosphere of the wedding? Oh. Charlie is very much still in love with Jules the entire time. Yes. So that lends this atmosphere of like, is Jules really marrying the person she actually wants to marry? Mm -hmm. And then it creates the tension between Hannah and Charlie. Yes, because Hannah and Charlie are married at this point. Yes. But Charlie has always been in love with Jules. And quite frankly, why Charlie married Hannah is not clear. No. It's not, <laughs> not clear. At all. It's not clear. I think there's something in there about how she's like not as mean or abrasive as Jules is. Yeah. But it's obvious that Charlie is more attracted to Jules than he is to Hannah. And that causes some serious problems. Because yes. it turns out that Charlie and Jules slept together when he and Hannah were married, when and Hannah was going kids. through postpartum depression. Yeah. Which is, re you don't get that until 30 pages before the end. So you're really just left scrambling. Yeah. <laughs> and then Hannah is like, I'm gonna do some infidelity. And that's when she finds out that Will was the guy who drove her sister to, to um, take her own life. Um, so it's a mess. Mm -hmm. And then um, Will and Jono, they went to school together, and it was Jono's idea was to make a TV show out of yes. the game that they would play as kids, The Survival, where it's like a boy's thing. Um, where they would kidnap people at school and take them to somewhere, and then they had to find their way back. They were tied up and blindfolded mm -hmm. in the woods at night, and they'd have to find their way back and escape and that is how that one kid died yes because he found will's okay. cheating papers yes. and they were like let's play a little game of survival haha ha. and then they put him out and tied him to a post and the tide came in the tide came drowned. in and he drowned i think will and Jono they're complicated mm -hmm. because i think for the majority of the book you just got well we have things that bind us together we have things that we can't talk about. Yeah, you that. get all these mysterious allusions to things. Every other chapter ends with like a sentence like that, mm -hmm. where it's like, do, how well do they really know each other? Like, everybody has dark secrets. Very mysterious. They keep saying that they're friends, but I don't feel like Will and Jono actually like each other. Well, not anymore. <laughs> no, because remember, Will wanted to distance himself yeah. from Jono, and then Jono was like, haha, I'll be your best man at the wedding, and Will was like, really uncomfortable and said oh uh, i was gonna ask you but obviously i mean you even get that explicitly mm -hmm. will did not want jono in no. his life anymore and i don't know why jono is even like it's one of those things where you've outgrown each other but you're still friends yeah even though you have nothing in common anymore so yeah. it's it's a complicated thing yeah both sides are very complicated in 
completely opposite directions. Yes. So that is where we are going to end episode one of this book discussion. The next part will be out next week where we continue going through the discussion questions. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, any thoughts on the book, feel free to email me at aloney at albright.org. That is A-L-O-N-E-Y at albright.org. Or feel free to call the library at 570-348-3000. Thank you. Thank you.